Hello, I'm Kevin McShane. This story is called Almond from the book collection Machine of Death. For more information, please visit machineofdeath.net. Almond by John Chernega. Administration and Maintenance Log, Cleveland Office. February 25th. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 4. No problems. March 4th. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 4. No problems. March 11th. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 4. No problems. March 18th. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 4. No problems. March 25th. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 4. No problems. April 1st. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 4. Lab destroyed. April 8th. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 4. No problems. April 15th. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 97. No problems. April 22nd. No user requests. Tested samples 1 through 4. All predicted death by Mr. Potato Head. April 29th. No user requests. No samples tested. No one is reading this log anyway. May 6th. No user requests. I'm beginning to suspect there's a fundamental problem with a machine that tells people how they're going to die, i.e. no one wants to know. However, we can all sleep soundly tonight knowing that, once again, sample A dies by crash, sample B dies by heart, sample C dies by suicide, and sample D dies by almond. Whatever the hell that means. May 13th. No requests. How much exactly did we pay for this, and why was that money not put towards raises for the lab tax? May 20th. No requests. Almonds continue to be deadly. May 27th. Machine continues to predict the deaths of the four test samples. I continue to write entries in a book no one else will ever read. In fact, I asked Paul why he thought we weren't getting any requests, and he said he didn't even realize we had a machine yet. Way to spend the grant money, guys. Does anyone other than me even know we've had this thing since February? The samples were all printed on these neat white business cards, like the kind you write your phone number on in a bar. Hey, why don't we get together, baby? Just call me suicide. Please don't say no. You couldn't make me try this thing on myself for a million dollars. I'm certain the result would say machine malfunction. June 3rd. I'm starting to wish I would have taken the job in Tulsa. The sample results on this machine are A, kind of creepy, B, a waste of time, and C, annoyingly vague. These samples are all from people who died already, right? If the guy choked on an almond, why wouldn't it say choking? Or was he allergic? The other three are pretty straightforward. Although, now I think about it, crash could be a plane crash, or a car crash, or even a bike crash, I guess. They should send something that says how they died. June 10th. I'm tired of looking at the machine, but there's nothing else to look at. Maybe it's supposed to wear down my defenses and get me to take the test, but I've made my decision. So I sit and stare at it. My planner is black with the blood of my tormented doodles. There's a brick wall outside my window. What's on the other side? My guess is that it's a locker room, and there are dozens of hot naked chicks inside, all with a thing for underpaid lab technicians who could, at the drop of a hat, tell them how they're going to die. July 1st. One request. 
Results were kept confidential. Tested samples 1 through 4. No problems. July 8th. No requests. I'm a little intrigued by the idea that someone in town knows how he's going to die. The rest of us are going on with our lives, worrying about paying bills or finding a good school system for the kids, but this one guy is nervously eyeing the mixed nuts aisle in the grocery store. Or whatever. He's got that little insight that no one in town, except me, knows about. I'm Alfred to his Batman. Except I don't know what's on his card. Just that he knows what's on his card. Unfortunately, I can't think of anyone in comics who knows that someone has a secret identity, but doesn't know what it is. July 15th. Four requests. Apparently word is getting around. Three of them, all men, came and left, and I can only wonder what the machine says fate has in store for them. But the woman wanted to show her result to me. It was printed out on the same business card as the test samples, only hers said cancer. She was really shaken up about it. I felt really bad for her. But then after she left, I thought, what the hell, lady? What do you expect? It was going to tell you how you die, right? You should probably be expecting cancer. In fact, it wouldn't be a bad idea for the machine to have a label on it that says, warning, expect cancer. It's not like it says you'll get cancer tomorrow or anything. Seriously, we've had this thing for half a year now, and I see the first real results, and I think the whole machine is a bad idea. Plus, I haven't seen any evidence that it's even right. I'm the resident expert on this destiny meter by dint of being the only person who's read through the manual. But I don't like it. And I don't know if it works. And I refuse to use it on myself. Tell me that's not screwed up. I wonder if the lab in Tulsa has one of these stupid things. July 21st. From this spot on my chair, you can see exactly 64 bricks. 64 is divisible by 2, 4, 8, 16, and 32. That's 4 to the 3rd power, or 2 to the 6th power. There are 64 squares on a chessboard, of which 32, or 1 half, are taken up by pieces at the beginning of the game. Every time there's a pawn exchange, 1 16th, or 6.25% of the pieces are removed from the board, thus freeing up 1 32nd, or 3.125% of the board. Just thought I'd share. 64, 64, 64. Oh yeah, and apparently I wasn't the only one that lady talked to last week. Paul told me today that she currently has cancer. She was told by her doctor that it went into remission. I guess I can see why she was so upset. Well, all the more reason not to use the machine. There were another five requests this week, and I got to see a couple. The first was another cancer, plus the guy was totally a smoker. But I don't think I was supposed to see it. I just happened to see the card when he looked at it. And then, get this, the other guy got joy. If you're going to go, that's the way to do it, I guess. I totally want to hear about this guy getting smothered in an orgy somewhere. Well, I mean, not immediately. July 21st. All right, being honest here, I guess I was thinking sooner rather than later. Pretty bad, huh? Does spending a long, boring day with a death machine make you cavalier about death? Well, the guy will be happy at least. July 22nd. I just thought of Almond Joy. Seriously, this machine is probably sponsored by Hershey's. On the other hand, between Almond and Joy, it's predicted cancer and heart attacks. Maybe it's sponsored by a competitor, Nestle or something. Their new slogan is probably, Sometimes you feel like death by a nut, sometimes you feel like some other kind of death. 
If someone tells me that his cause of death is mounds, I'm swearing off candy bars for good. July 28th. Two people came in for predictions this week, and apparently they didn't want to share their information. Wusses. In the meantime, things here are ridiculously boring. I spent the last three hours staring at a machine that wants to tell me how I die. Alternatively, I could look out the window and stare at 64 bricks in a big brick wall. Why put in a window at all? Are there people on the other side of the wall wondering what's in here? No, because that wall doesn't have any windows. So, with a lack of things to do, my mind has gone to dangerous places. I've been sitting here thinking that Dr. Womack had a bloody nose this morning. It would be easy, if a little gross, to fish a tissue out of his garbage can and find out how he dies. I would know, and he wouldn't. And what if it were chlamydia or something? That's the kind of information I could use to get a corner office. Then I'd have something to look at, and I wouldn't have to sit and think about ways to blackmail my damn co-workers. August 4th. The woman with cancer came back in today. Her name's Beth. Her doctor said that her cancer poses no threat, and now she wanted a second opinion from the machine. I told her that part of the machine's maintenance is rechecking the same four test samples, and they've never changed. I did not mention that I've been neglecting my sample testing for a while. Beth wanted to try again anyway. Cancer, again. So many people are so fiercely private about their cards. It's really awkward that Beth shows hers off to anyone she meets and then talks about it. It seems so personal. It's like finding your neighbor's secret sex tapes. You're curious as hell to see them, but as soon as you hit play, you know you shouldn't have. And then you give them back to your neighbor, but they see you leave it in their mailbox, and they're like, what did you think about the part with the trampoline? And you wish you had never heard of videotapes or neighbors or sex in the first place. Probably. Anyway, the conversation with Beth was uncomfortable. She said that if she could start over again, she wouldn't have taken the test. She'd prefer not to know. I told her that I'd never seen any indication this particular machine is accurate. If it were spewing out lies all the time, I'd have no way of knowing. They're just consistent lies, that's all. All I was going on to vouch for its accuracy was the pamphlet that came with the machine. I don't think my argument was as persuasive as her getting the same results twice, though. She wasn't very happy when she left. It's too bad. She seems really nice. August 11th. Things are picking up again. Eight people. And now that Beth is gone, I find that my qualms about knowing other people's deaths have completely disappeared again. I'm just a peeping Tom. Bring on the trampoline. August 18th. Our office has death fever. It's actually less morbid than it sounds. I just mean that a bunch of the folks here suddenly got really interested in finding out how they're going to kick the bucket. All right, maybe it's exactly as morbid as it sounds. I wonder if they all went to lunch last week and talked about it over drinks or something. I never got invited. I spend my lunches with my good friends Bricky and the Fatal Fortune Teller. A bunch of people came in as a group to get their death cards, so I got to watch them share. I've got some interesting co-workers. Paul is going to die by fall. Tammy from HR got lightning, and Mitch got overdose. He seems to think it was pretty funny, but Tammy got a strange look on her face. Mitch had never struck me as the kind of guy who would take drugs irresponsibly, but, you know, there are an awful lot of drugs around here in the office that he has access to. And he took a trip with his girlfriend to Amsterdam last Christmas. Hmm. Mike from accounting got the weirdest one. Government. How do you die by government? Will he commit treason? Get drafted? 
maybe he'll happen upon who really killed JFK. Paul tried to get me to do it, but I refused. First of all, I still don't want to know. Second, I don't want other people to know. Third, I don't have any proof that this thing works. I don't know if they think this machine is like a party game, or if they all just really want to know how they die, but I stare at this thing every day, and I'm maybe a little scared of it. August 25th. Apparently, getting your death foretold by a machine isn't covered by insurance. Paul was fuming yesterday, but I think he's crazy. Do you really want your insurance company to know how you're going to die? I think your auto premiums would skyrocket if your insurance company knew your death card said crash. They probably wouldn't cover you at all. In related news, inventory showed that one lab is missing over $1,000 worth of stimulants. That's serious business. Everyone thinks it's Mitch. He looks miserable. But the question is, is he miserable because he's been caught? Or because he stopped taking stimulants? Or is it possible that he's innocent and he's miserable because everyone thinks he's stealing from the company? September 1st. Mitch is gone. Whether he stole anything is still uncertain, but he apparently missed a conference when he was in Amsterdam with his girlfriend, and that's the official reason he's canned. Sounds a little trumped up to me. No one made a big deal out of the conference then. I tried to talk to Paul about it, but he didn't seem concerned. Did he not make the connection between Mitch getting laid off and drawing the card that says overdose? Or is he just preoccupied by when and where he's going to fall to death? There's been a steady stream of people coming in asking for the test. I guess there was a bit on the news about it last night. Someone in New York took the test, and when she found out it said suicide, she killed herself. Does that justify that the morbid medium machine works? I think it means that people with suicidal tendencies shouldn't use the stupid machine. I was thinking it would be nice if the machine would print out the number for a suicide helpline every time someone got suicide, but I guess it would be pretty futile. I mean, it doesn't say that they'll attempt suicide. It says that they'll die by suicide. Someone else got government yesterday. I wanted to refer him to Mike, but there are confidentiality rules that I would be breaking. I'm like a priest. I store all of these confessions, and I'm forbidden to say anything. A priest tells the confessions to God, and I tell the predictions to the maintenance log. Plus, I'm not getting laid, so that's another thing I have in common with priests. I wonder if Batman has a priest. Anyway, maybe Mike already knows this guy from their top-secret anti-government cabal. September 8th. Wow. A family came in today with two kids, and only the father spoke English. He made them all take the blood test. They looked terrified. And every single one of them came up with the same result. Fire. I told the dad, and he got this weird, faraway look in his eyes. And then he got really mad at me. He threw the cards back at me and called me a crook, told me to stay the hell away from him. Then he gathered up the whole family, all of them staring at me, and stormed off. I've been shaking for the last hour. I don't think he's going to tell his family. Well, fine. I guess I'd rather not know, so maybe they're better off not knowing. But how will not knowing help them prevent a fire? Or, if the machine really is accurate, is it too late to prevent it now? September 15th. Well, the machine works, I guess. It's just got a sick sense of humor. The guy whose card said Joy died over the weekend. No orgy, no heart attack from winning the lottery. He was run over walking home from the library by a woman named Joy. That's really messed up. I'm sort of freaking out over this. 
How does a machine know the name of the person who runs you over? And why wouldn't it say run over? The sample card said crash, not the driver's name. It's like it was toying with him. Is that what it is? A joke? A machine joking about death? It sounds stupid, but why not? I mean, a machine isn't going to die, right? That's the big advantage to being a machine. Finally, after doing every little thing we've told them to do, a machine is lording something over us. Seriously, no wonder it says Almond. It delights in being ironically vague. I hate this thing. I'm sleeping with the lights on tonight. September 23rd. I had someone come in for a second visit today because, get this, he lost his card and forgot what it said. He forgot. Did I just meet the stupidest person in America? Is this person the reason that my instruction manuals are 60% warnings and all the good TV shows are canceled in favor of PAP? I told him he should write it down next time. Speaking of how death makes people stupid, there was a new announcement from Tammy and Human Resources. All new employees will be subject to getting a readout from the death machine. I am required to pass on the results to her. Current employees are strongly encouraged to share their results with Human Resources, but it's not required. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. Also, I've gotten a ton of people coming in with a lot of vague results. The joy thing has me second-guessing all of them. One man got ram. He was thinking goat. I'm thinking dodge. So he'll probably get smashed by a battering ram just to prove us both wrong. Another one was blockage. Will his arteries be blocked? Will his way to the hospital be blocked? Poor Beth is probably going to be killed by someone born in July. And what about fallen Paul? I keep wondering if there's a way Autumn could kill him. Tammy already knows his card, and Mike's, and a bunch of others. I've been trying to keep an ear to the wall to hear if anyone else who's taken the test will lose their jobs. I've heard that Dr. Kane drew Shiv. If that doesn't spell bad news for your future, I don't know what does. September 30th. Someone managed to stump the machine from the looks of things. His card said Sunkakul. What does that mean? Death by aliens? I asked if he had any ideas. He said that he was in a really bad car accident and keeps having dreams about car accidents every night and wanted to know if that's what would kill him. No, lucky you. You'll be killed by a Sunkakul, which, for all I know, could be a new kind of car invented ten years from now. I called our distributor at Envisions, and they're going to send someone out to see if there's a problem with the machine. I've taken the liberty of hiding this log in my desk and getting a new one that makes it look like I've been running the same four tests every week and that we've had all kinds of users who always keep their results confidential, except for Mr. Sunkakul. I'm a little worried that I screwed up somehow. I guess if he gets mad, I'll blame it on the fact that I'm stuck in a room with no view and a death machine, and understandably, it has made me temporarily insane. October 7th. Well, I can take comfort in knowing that the Envisions tech isn't any more knowledgeable than I am. Actually, I take no comfort in this at all. Neil, the rep who came in, had no idea why the machine would say joy when it meant run over, or what it means when the sample says almond. I'm disappointed. I kind of trusted the distributor to know these things. Neil's pretty sure that Mr. Sunkakul won't die from a car accident. He guessed that the cause of death was a dollar, a penny, and a nickel, like he'd made a deal with a loan shark but ended up being a day late and a dollar six short. So, like I said, Neil's no expert. 
Maybe this will be a mystery for the ages. He was impressed with my fake record-keeping, but even more impressed with the way that the office had embraced the machine. He said that most offices don't usually use it on their own employees, much less factor the results into their hiring practices. He was even talking about using our lab as an example of the envisionary thinking in the next newsletter. Apparently, Neil helps edit it. He asked what my card said, and I lied and told him electrocution. His card said stroke. He seemed proud of that fact. He plans to go skydiving next summer since he knows it won't kill him. I immediately thought that he'd land in a lake, try to do a breaststroke, get a cramp, and die. I did not mention this to him. October 14th. I was interviewed for a news story. Candace Harrelson, the reporter, wanted me to tell her what some of the stranger results have been, but I didn't tell her much. I said that some of the more typical results are cancer, crash, and heart. I also mentioned the almond one, and they asked me to verify that one guy whose card said joy. Candace came in knowing a lot already. I don't think I was much help to the Channel 5 primetime news. Apparently, the story is going to be about how the machine is sometimes cryptic, but never wrong. They've compiled results from machines throughout the country and have two dozen predictions that have all come true. Candace even volunteered to find out her own results. They filmed me drawing the blood and everything. She was talking about how easy the process is and how the results are printed up on a single business card with the same results every time. I had to just sit there and wait for her to stop talking before I informed her that she is going to die by bullet. For a second, just a second, she got this funny look on her face. She then wrapped up by saying, A harrowing prediction. Will it come true? It was completely professional news reporter sounding. Totally didn't match the shocked look on her face just a second earlier. My guess is the station will cut that part. She spent the whole report basically convincing the viewers that the predictions always come true, but she gets hers, and suddenly there's a question? I'm sure that part will never air. It's too bad, really. So many people come in here, and they're all easygoing until they see the card. Then, suddenly, they're serious, almost panicked. I'm sure I'll see a rush of people come in here after the story airs. I just wish they'd show that one second, where Candace Harrelson stops reporting the story and starts thinking about her mortality. That's what the real report should be about. October 21st. I was right. I've been swamped. I watched the report, and sure enough, they cut the part where Candace hears how she's going to die. Instead, after the report, Mark the Anchorman asked if she took the test herself, and she said, maybe, but I'm not telling. I guess she figures I won't squeal, since I wouldn't tell her anything. Since the report, I've heard from the media almost as much as I've heard from new customers. The death machine is the talk of the town. It's bigger than Tickle Me Elmo. I can only guess how well Tell Me How I Croak Elmo would sell. Some people are coming back for a second run. One guy came in with a little silver frame pinned over his breast pocket. When he got the result, heart, he slipped it into the frame. I asked if he knew his card would say heart, and he said he had taken the test before, but he thoughtlessly threw away the card. Now it's a fashion statement. He's planning to sell the frames with a fake heart card inside. That way, if people are proud of their deaths, they can stick it in the frame, and if they get, say, botched plastic surgery, no one has to know. If the frames sell well, he's going to try to make custom t-shirts.
October 28th. There has been a line going outside the door. I've seen so many death cards in the last two days that I can't even remember most of the weird ones. So here's the list of the ones I do remember. Fear. Trapeze. Gerald. Religion. Mink. Marshmallow. Camcorder. Pie. And Ronald McDonald. I want a custom-made t-shirt that says Ronald McDonald. Seriously, after reading that one, I was slightly tempted to try the machine myself. But then I got another visit from Beth. She wanted to try the machine again. We both knew she'd get the same result. It was like watching a car crash and not being able to do anything about it. She said something to remind me exactly why I didn't want to take the test. She said, I'm the same person I was in July, but now I've emptied my bank account talking to doctors and I have panic attacks in the middle of the night. That warning should be put on the front of the box. I told her so. It was nice to see her again. She told me about a dream she's been having, where the machine is just a spigot that attaches to your arm and slowly drains all the blood out of you. I had a similar dream, where instead of getting a business card, your death was written on a big cinder block, and I had to swim across the river with it around my neck. Oh, and I almost forgot the best card, Disc Error. I had to run that one three times before I was convinced the guy would die from Disc Error, and there really was nothing wrong with the machine. October 30th. Another busy week. I actually ran out of blank business cards. I kept 50 people waiting in line while I sent Paul to pick up a new box from the store. I was waiting here for him to come back when I had an epiphany. Let me set the scene. I'm waiting in the office, alone, with all kinds of people waiting to get in. I'm trying to think of how many words I can make out of brick wall. I cross out the letters as I go, and suddenly it hits me. Sunkakul is one word written on top of another. It's sink written on top of icicle. The guy has two deaths, unless he manages to sink into a pile of icicle. So I thought about that for a while, and here's my best guess. He said he was in a car accident, right? What if it was a recent car accident? Maybe he had a blood transfusion recently, and the machine tested the blood of two people at one time. How long does it take for blood to acclimate to a person? My guess is that one or the other will disappear in time, but for now, he should probably avoid sinks, sinkholes, and cold climates. I've got him coming in for a second test next month. I'm now officially more knowledgeable than the product rep at Envisions. Hope that knowledge won't give poor Neil a stroke. November 4th. Why on earth is the government killing so many people? Candace over at Channel 5 did a story about it. There were a bunch of people who came forward and said that they were disturbed that their card said government and more than a little distrustful of our elected leaders. November 11th. Neil showed up unexpectedly yesterday. I was excited to tell him about the double printing on Sunkoko, but he kicked me out of the office said he needed to make some adjustments to the machine. It was a nice change of pace to be away from the brick wall and the icy specter of death for a little while. I actually called up Beth to see how she's doing, and we had lunch together. A good lunch. I like her. But get this, part of me doesn't want to get involved with her because I couldn't deal with it if she died. She'd have her midnight panic attacks, and I'd get worried that she was dying. It's too stressful. I checked back into the lab after lunch, and Neil was already gone. Great customer service there, Neil. It didn't take too much investigation to find out what he had changed. 
Now the machine, the bucket kickometer, is hooked up to a phone line. His note said that it would make maintenance easier, and I should not unplug it for any reason. I can't believe the machine of death gets its own phone, and I have to share the one in the hallway with Paul. If the machine gets a window with a better view than a brick wall, I'm going to personally start telling people how they're going to die. November 18th. I was talking to Paul about Thanksgiving. Get this, he canceled his ski trip this year. Fear of ice? I told him he's the same person he was back in July, except now he doesn't want to go skiing. I guess it didn't sound as profound as when Beth said it. December 1st. Sad news. Mitch, my former co-worker who got laid off, died yesterday. It was really sad. He couldn't get a recommendation from work and couldn't find a job. His wife left him, and he killed himself with aspirin and alcohol. Once again, the machine was correct. If he wouldn't have taken the test, he'd be alive today. I'm sure of it. Tammy and the rest of the HR people aren't beating themselves up about it, though. She told me I don't need to report results to her anymore because now the machine does it automatically. That's why Neil was in before Thanksgiving. If there isn't a database of results already, you can bet your ass that Human Resources is starting one. Then she sent out a memo to the whole office that says that everyone needs to retake the test. Dr. Kane is resigning. Seriously. I still don't know if he drew Shiv, but it sure sounds like it. Who is this going to affect? People who drew health problems, like heart? People who drew deaths that imply they'll happen sooner than later, like fall? Now I'm thinking about resigning, too. December 8th. Not resigning. I bit the bullet and ran a sample, telling him it was my result. It said almond. They wouldn't lay me off for almond, plus I didn't have to, you know, actually take the test. Of course this means that from this day forward I can't test the almond sample anymore. But I've long since given up on testing the samples anyway. We closed the office to outside clients for a day or so so I could test everyone else. I guess I underestimated the contingent that didn't want to be tested. In fact, there were a couple of people who took the test and then threw the card away without looking at it. Mike was really resistant to getting tested again, now that it's a mandatory thing. I feel bad for him, since government sounds like one of those deaths that HR would get really worked up about. I also retested Sunkokol, but the results are the same. I told him that if he knew who donated blood to him, I could test that person and we'd know which applied to which person, unless the donor has already died through a tragic icicle accident or something. I found that funnier than he did. December 10th. I just now realized that I told Neil I would die by electrocution, and I told Tammy I would die by almond. I hope they don't compare notes. December 15th. The powers that be running the lab have been good enough to put off layoffs until after Christmas. Nothing like a little yuletide panic. Last year, our Christmas luncheon had fried chicken, potatoes, a bunch of pies. It was really good. This year, we're getting salads and low-fat, unfrosted angel food cake for dessert. For a healthy new year, they say. Beth called me and asked if I wanted to catch a movie with her. I said no. I just have too much stress in my life right now. December 30th. A local news story made the national news this week. The mayor's cousin, or maybe second cousin, found out that his roommate was sleeping with his girlfriend. He also found out that his roommate's death card said pie. So his cousin has been slipping pie crusts and pie filling into the roommate's food, 
hoping that will be the pie that kills him. But he hasn't done anything to the pie, it's perfectly normal. The day after Christmas, Roommate is eating supper when he finally notices a hunk of pie under his turkey. He gasps, chokes on his own food, and really does die. Now the mayor's cousin has been arrested for murder. All kinds of big-name politicians are in town, all with their own take on the pie murder. The mayor is humiliated. Reporters from every channel have come in to talk to me this week, and I've seen myself on three different news programs. It's unreal. I feel like I shouldn't be interviewed by this many reporters without my own book coming out or winning the Super Bowl or something. After they turn the cameras off, I've asked each one if they've taken the test. I've tested so many people in the last three months I've honestly lost track. Every single one of them said yes. January 6th. Wow. Cleveland is the place for controversy, and it's all because of Murder Pie. Suddenly Congress wants to talk about the Buying the Farm Reporter. The op-ed pages are filled with pleading to get the government to pass some death machine laws. The flames have been fanned by a person who took a bunch of hostages and died in a shootout in Texas. They tested him posthumously, and sure enough, the results said shootout. There's been a push to register people's death cards with local law enforcement, or even the federal government. I'm trying to get a hold of Tammy to approve some vacation time quickly because I do not want to be here when the shit goes down. I've heard the people are planning a protest for right outside my building. Why am I in the middle of all this? All I did was read an instruction manual for crying out loud. January 8th. Things are crazy. They're protesting right outside and throwing things at cops. I am not going to sit here and protect the damn machine. They can have it. I'm getting out of here. January 27th. Okay, so it's been a while, but now here I am. Tammy talked me into coming back, but I really don't know why I came in at all. Everything has pretty much gone to hell. Here's what happened. On January 8th, about 2,000 protesters marched through Cleveland, opposing the death machine. Police showed up in riot gear to try to keep things civil, but the crowd turned violent. People started throwing things at cops, a bunch of people got arrested, protesters were burning effigies, cops were getting fire hoses. There was some kind of blast that took out a bunch of windows and started a fire right here. The lab sustained some water damage when the firefighter showed up, but made it through in pretty good condition. On the other hand, the building next door, the brick building that was outside my window, was completely destroyed. It was a fire trap. The shell of bricks that remains has been torn to the ground. Apparently, it was thought to be abandoned, but it was actually housing a sweatshop, employing illegal immigrants, even kids. I'm almost certain they included the family that was in here earlier, the kids who didn't speak any English, the ones whose cards said fire. The remains of 27 people were found inside the building, and six more, including my co-worker Mike, were killed in the protest. I got out of here just as things were turning really bad. I've been at home, left alone by the media, and this is my first day back at the office. It is unworldly. I never thought something like that could really happen here. I always thought that chaos and disaster were reserved for other countries, or at least big cities like New York or Chicago. Even after all this time, it's like I'm walking in a dream. There's a bodyguard stationed outside my door at all times, but I'm still alone in this room with the damn machine. Now, instead of staring at a brick wall, I stare at scorched rubble. It's a huge, dirty, gaping pit. And every time I look up at it, 
I feel a wave of despair. I think about those poor kids. There was a sweatshop, a sweatshop in middle America, mere inches from this room, and I had no idea. And now, because whoever was running it didn't give a damn about their employees, 27 of them are dead. If a machine that can predict death can also bring about so much death, is it really worth it? I don't think anyone can convince me that it is. February 3rd. When a single machine is the cause of so much heartbreak and so much risk to human lives, what's the next logical step? Order more machines, of course. I'm aghast. Apparently, I'm no longer the sole operator of the posthumous predictor in Cleveland. Now I'm just the senior operator. Meaning I've been taking calls from the Cuyahoga County Hospital about installation all day, in addition to handing out suicide and drown cards to my morose clients. Someone at Cuyahoga County wanted to know if people traded their actual deaths if they traded their cards. I rolled my eyes and was about to tell her that it was the stupidest thing I had ever heard, but, you know, I have no idea. I gave her Neil's number, let him roll his eyes a while. The tension here has eased quite a bit. I think the politicians are still talking about the machine, some even talking about making testing mandatory, but the news media have lost interest. Some people apparently saw a nipple on TV over the weekend, so all their attention has gone elsewhere. February 4th. They were clearing out the debris from the building next door today. It's just a blank lot now, and yes, I can see the next brick building down, but I can also see the sky and the street below. All it took for this window to serve its function was the death of a bunch of kids. Over lunch, I grabbed one of the bricks before they cleared them all away, and now it's here on my windowsill. I don't really know why I kept it. February 10th. Guess what I found out today? Paul and Beth are dating. How did that happen? I saw her come in yesterday, thinking she wanted another go-through with the machine, but then she and Paul left holding hands. I gotta admit, I feel weird about that. She didn't even stop in and say hello to me. They look kind of sweet together, I guess, but... I have to admit, when I saw them walking out to her car, I couldn't help but think of two doomed prisoners on their way to the gallows. Or something. She with her cancer, he with his falling. It's like they're on borrowed time. Is Paul more willing to deal with suffering than I am? Or is he just more desperate for sex? Or does he not understand that one day the cancer will overwhelm her, and he'll be left to face his fall all alone? February 17th. I've seen a couple of those custom t-shirts in the last couple of weeks. One said explosion, one said old age. The public has embraced wearing their deaths on their sleeve. What's more disturbing is there's some role-playing game based on the death cards. Apparently a starter pack comes with 60 fake death cards and you're encouraged to shuffle your own into the deck? Then the characters in the game start dying left and right and the winner is the last person standing. Also, on my way to work, I always pass this building that says palm readings in the window. Well, they took down the sign a few weeks ago, and now they just put up a new sign that says Death Cards Explained. At least three private businesses in town have gotten their hands on their own machines. Apparently they're a lot cheaper than they were last year. Now with all the added competition, demand at the lab has dropped considerably. I find that more often than staring out the window, I'm staring at the brick, waiting for someone else to come in. Everybody's getting rich off of death but me. February 24th. 
Happy first birthday, you freaky pile of circuits and premonitions. I sincerely regret that you're still around. March 3rd. I'm in trouble. All of a sudden, Tammy has questions about the card I submitted for myself. Was she talking to Neil? What's so implausible about Almond? I finally came to accept it. She wants to bring in the examiner from the hospital to administer the test on me again. Now what? Plus, Paul's mad at me because I confided in him that I lied about my card. I think I could get into serious trouble here. I could lose my job for this. March 4th. I got no sleep last night worrying. Dr. Henry from Cuyahoga County is coming in this afternoon. I've been worked up about it all day. I think I'm just going to have to go through with it. I'll tell Tammy that I sent her the test card by mistake. Paul probably won't tell her anything. I won't lose my job. But I'm still stressed out because I don't want to know. Let it be a mystery. No one needs to know. I don't need to know. Whatever that card says will just consume me, and those feelings of doom I get when I see Paul or Beth will paralyze me every time I look into a mirror. I wish there was a way to avoid this. I shouldn't have to know if I don't want to. March 4th. Dr. Henry finally left. I took the test six times. I feel like a pincushion. I don't know if there's something wrong with the machine or what. I try calling Neil, but he's doing installations all over Ohio now. But clearly something is wrong, because every time I took the test, I got the same result. A blank card. March 5th. I didn't sleep well last night either. Big surprise there. So did the machine read my mind? Did it know that I didn't want to see the answer? It knows how people died. Maybe it can read my mind. I think I read a study once where a polygraph machine reacted to a tree when someone talked about cutting it down. Maybe this machine knows that I was panicked about reading the results and it spared me. Or maybe it's screwing with me. March 5th. If I don't get a reading, does that mean I won't die? How is that possible? I've sat next to this machine for a year, and I've watched it dispense little cards that made people depressed or angry or terrified. I've counseled people who didn't like their cards. I've humored people who want to be retested. I've been this machine's caretaker and little else. Is there something special about me? Why is it doing this to me? March 5th. No one has come in to use the machine today, so I used it on myself. Over and over again. I am covered in dry blood. The cards are all blank. March 6th. I am so tired. Can people die from lack of sleep? Can I die from lack of sleep? Can I die? Can the machine? March 6th. March 10th, Envision's note, found maintenance log, missing maintenance entries after April 29th of last year. Previous user had been using the log as a journal, with the last entry dated March 6th. He was found March 7th, apparently electrocuted while trying to damage the machine with a heavy object, most likely a brick. Machine no longer operational. I will be returning it to Envision's to try to salvage. Journal entries indicate that user became enraged possibly delusional when the machine stopped working.
Apparently, he was unfamiliar with the process of changing the ink cartridge. A square of paper was removed from his log and placed on top of the remains of the machine. Written in handwriting that matches this journal was the single word, me. For more stories about the Machine of Death, visit our website, machineofdeath.net. This audio file is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License. That means feel free to share it, send it around, or adapt it however you like, but please don't sell it. I'm Kevin McShane. Check me out at kevinmcshane.org. Thanks for listening.